I know you've been in the heat most of the day, and you're ready to sit down and just listen. But the presence of the Lord is in this place right now. The Holy Ghost is in this house. It's in moments like this that things that I read come to life and make sense. Things like the Holy Ghost coming and setting on them like cloven tongues as of fire setting on them. It's moments like this that those types of scriptures come to life. I feel like something set on us here just a few moments ago. I know, by, I know no one laid their hands on you, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time right here. I'm just looking for see, see if there's somebody got any faith. I'm going to tell you, I know no one laid any hands on you. But I believe when the Holy Ghost swept through here like it did just a moment ago, I believe someone was healed miraculously. Well, I'm going to back up and try it one more time. Well, I didn't feel anything. You don't have to feel anything. I'm telling you what the Lord spoke to me as I walked across the front of this building and I'm trying to make you aware. Don't be surprised. Come on. Don't be surprised when the symptoms are gone. Don't be surprised when the symptoms are gone. Don't be surprised when the doctor shakes his head and says, I know what was there, but it's not. If you're in this place and you need a healing, I want you right now just to release your faith and thank God for what just swept into this building a few moments ago. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices. I'm just going to go ahead and say what I feel. Cancer is no deal for God. Some little spots you've got or some little knot or nodule you got is nothing too large or big for God. Our God is a healer. My God's a miracle worker. This is not his first go around. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm going to do what I feel tonight. I really, honestly, I came prepared to do um, this tomorrow or Sunday, but for whatever reason, 
I don't know if somebody's going home tomorrow that won't be here Sunday. I don't know. I, I, I quit a long time ago trying to figure all that out. But I really had intentions of saving this for Sunday. But I've, as this day has rocked on, it's like the Lord in an unrelenting manner has let me know that this is his will for tonight. And I, I feel, I hope you don't take this as arrogance. I, I hope this comes across as confidence in my God. But I, I feel very strongly that this is going to connect with some people in a very intimate way before we're finished here tonight. Tonight and something, when you drive off of this mountaintop, I believe that you're going to leave something here and you're going to be a different person when you drive back down off of this hill tomorrow. You believe there's that kind of power in this house tonight. Praise God. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, the gospel according to St. Mark chapter 10. Now, I know the response ahead of time that I'm going to give from this, but I want to just make sure that Cornerstone hasn't changed. I want to make sure it's still the old Cornerstone. I believe somebody could receive the Holy Ghost tonight. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 51. Actually, let's back up to, to 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. He cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. <laughs> and Jesus stood still. I'm going to tell you how you get Jesus to stand still in your life. When you ignore the voices that tell you to stand still. And he called, and they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now watch, 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 watch. And Jesus said unto him, What wilt I should do unto thee? 
And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Now, I've been reading this Bible a long time, but I want you to look at verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, now look at this, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight, look, and followed Jesus in the way. Now, I'm just going to tell you tonight, there's a big difference between going your way and reversing your course in life and going his way. There's a big difference between going your way. In fact, if I do my job right and the Holy Ghost anoints us and helps us, and you respond to this, you're going to leave here no longer doing things your way. That's your problem is God touches you and you keep going your way. But when God touches you, you can't keep going your way. I want to preach tonight for a little while from this thought. Daddy's and destinies, daddies and destinies. Now, I'm going to have you pray before you're seated. And if you're in this building and you were blessed to have a God-fearing father, if you were raised in a home by a dad who loved God, You are very fortunate. You're very blessed. And I want you right now to note that in your mind, how blessed you are. But to whom much is given, much is required. And I dare say that if the percentages were gathered in this building tonight, that there were more in here that were raised by fathers that did not fear God than fathers that did. And so before you're seated, you don't know the story on your row. You don't know who's sitting next to you or behind you. You may think you do. But somebody tonight if God has his way, is going to change daddies. You're going to go the way of another daddy. I, I knew last night, because I hit that vein, and you heard me say it about ten times, there has been, at least in my spirit, there has been a focal point and that's generational things, generational spirits. And I'm telling a single mother in this building, you have yet tonight another opportunity to grab the moral arc in your life 
and bend it again in a different direction. I know it's hot. I know you're tired. But there is work that we've got to get done in this place tonight. I know, I know, I know. Listen, I know God could come back tonight. They've been saying that for 100 years. But if he, if he waits another 50, I'm preaching in defense of some toddlers who have played around in dirt piles this week. That if we as parents make the right choices, we can drastically change the destiny of some of these children. And your children don't have to see the things that you've seen. And they don't have to feel the pain of rejection that you felt. And they don't have to be exposed to the things that you were exposed to. Say, this is an evangelistic service. Doesn't sound like too much like a camp meeting message. I'm just telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost and I'm going to preach. I, I, may, I may just... I feel, I feel good enough right now. I think I could slam dunk a basketball. That's how good I feel. God wants to do something powerful in somebody's life. And if you had a God-fearing dad, then you need to help me pray right now. I want you to reach around and connect with people. And I want you to lift your voice and pray before we get into this. Come on, right now, lift your voice from the front to the back of this house. I want you to pray that God would do something in these young people, but not just in young people. There, there are young adults. There are middle-aged adults. There, there are people here that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. I want you to pray that God's Word would find its target. If you believe God's going to do it for somebody, I want you to release your faith one more time by clapping your hands and lifting your voice with a victorious shout. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. There is a lot, at least in my estimation, there is a lot that is left up to us in this story to kind of fill in the blanks. Points that I believe that are they're more than possible. I believe they... They're plausible. They, they're poignant points that 
pack a punch that is worthy of us to consider tonight. As you gather all the information of this miracle from the Gospels that it's recorded in, you will find that there were two blind men in this story. I read to you from Mark's account of this miracle, and Mark lets us know that there were not just two blind men, but one was Timaeus, and the other was Bartimaeus. At the end of the day, we also know from what is given to us of the account of this miracle that only one of these blind men received their sight. I think this is something that should be soberly considered here for a few moments. Reason being is, is that God is an equal opportunist kind of God. He is no respecter of persons. But He is a God that responds to our faith. A father and a son. I, in my imagination, and I believe I'm safe in this surmising for blind Bartimaeus to go about this the way that he goes about this. I believe that the news had been spread abroad of the miracles that Jesus was doing. I believe that blind Bartimaeus had sat in that blind state with bated breath, hoping, waiting on an opportunity for this Jesus to walk by his life, and his situation. I, in my imagination, and again, I am surmising, but I feel like I'm safe in my surmising. I feel like that Bartimaeus and his father, Timaeus, had probably had some conversations about this. In fact, in my gut, in my Holy Ghost, I feel like that Bartimaeus had more to overcome than just those in the crowd that were trying to silence him. In fact, when you look at this, there is scholarly discussion and even lengthy debate as to whether or not Bartimaeus was even really this man's name. The reason being is Bartimaeus, by translation, is son of Timaeus. It is very likely, according to scholars, that, and you will find this elsewhere in the Bible, that people, they are identified by their ailments. They are identified by their problems. They are identified by their father's problems or their father's sin. Are you going to help me preach right here? Hallelujah. We're not given his name. We only know that he's the son of a blind man. Hallelujah. And so I submit to you that I feel like that blind Bartimaeus has so much more to overcome 
than just the fact that the, that the crowd that is pressing Jesus is trying to steal his cry. I feel like that him and his father probably had had some conversations in the past. You're the son of a blind man. I've been blind my whole life. Son, you just as well to settle with the fact that your life, listen to this preacher, your life consists of being blind and begging to make it another day. This rings true with me because I have encountered and wrangled with generational spirits that want to control people. Hallelujah. It wants to get in the minds of people and tell them you come from a lineage of alcoholics. Come on. Who are you to think that something can happen in your life? Hallelujah. That could break that chain of dependency. You come from a family of drug addicts. You come from a lineage of losers. Who are you to think? Come on. Your daddy's a blind man. Your daddy's a beggar. Come on. I want to preach to you this Friday night though. Jesus Christ is a chain breaker. He's a generational curse breaker. You say, Brother Marks, that's good, but that's only afforded to this one situation. Oh, really? This goes all the way to God manifest in the flesh. They tried to undermine who he was and his authority and the miracles that he did. And they said, is not this the son of a carpenter? They wanted to identify. They wanted him to be identified with just an old dirty carpenter's son. You better hear me right now. I want to preach to somebody that just because your mama had you out of wedlock doesn't mean you have to have a baby out of wedlock. Just, thank you. There's two or three that's going to help me. I want you to act like this is Sunday. I feel that evangelist fire burning in me right now. You hear this preacher. You may come from a long line of abuse. You may have come from a long line of rebel rousers. They may know how to cuss like sailors. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is giving you an opportunity to identify with another father. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise for it right now. The Bible says, and my prayer is that this is what happens tonight before we leave here, that as Bartimaeus stood up and started making his way to Jesus, that he left behind that cloak. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, he was leaving more behind than just an article of clothing. He was leaving behind an identity. I'm not just the son of a blind man. Hallelujah. Come on. I have the ability... I have the opportunity to my life to be changed forever. Hallelujah. I got to stop and ask, is there anybody tonight that has been fortunate? Is there anybody that has been favored that can jump to your feet and say, I found a different destiny through a different daddy? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I found a different destiny through a different daddy.
You hear me loud and clear. If it's your thing and it's God's thing, fine. You can be the first one in your family to get a college degree. You can be the first one in your family to own their own home. You can be the first one in your family to own your own vehicle. I'm preaching right now. You can change daddies. You may have came from losers, but when you get Jesus, you get a new life, a new mind. A new destiny. Clap your hands and give God praise. In this, come on, give him praise. In this house, come on, somebody can do better than that. Clap your hands and give God praise in this house. It's not enough, though, for you to just be touched. It's not just enough for you to be presented with an opportunity. I wish I could tell you that Jesus passing by this service would be enough for you to come out of continuing to identify, come on, with your family, with their problems and their dysfunctions. But that's not enough. You got to be more than touched. You got to make up in your mind when I leave this service, I will not be identified as the son of an alcoholic. You better hear this. I will not be identified as the daughter I may have to fight the devil for the next 30 days over what I'm preaching right now but I'm telling you I am so sick of seeing the spirit of perversion get a hold of a family and tell us come on I'll never turn loose you can change daddies you can get rid of that tonight I refuse to identify as the daughter of a pervert my new daddy is holy my new daddy is righteous my new daddy is true. I'm trying to move on, but I got to stir something in somebody's spirit tonight that says I've been touched for the last service and leaving, going my way. If I go my way, I continue to identify as the son of Timaeus. Daddies and destinies. I'm sure I'm confident because I've met this head on between the chairs where you sit tonight. I have looked in the hollow eyes of those that are so bound by the blindness. Let me retract that statement. They are more they are more bound by the identity of being blind than they are the blindness 
Boy, that's powerful right there. Let me back up and say that again. The Holy Ghost just, come on, you open your heart. They are more bound by the identity of being blind. They are more bound by the label or the title of being blind than they are the blindness itself. By God, have mercy. I want to preach hope in somebody's spirit tonight that you can leave here and go another way. Hallelujah. I want you to leave this camp meeting tonight believing you can leave here and go a different direction. Clap your hands and give God praise. So, was Jonathan the king that never was? Because of his selfish daddy's decisions. Or was Jonathan the king that never was? Because Jonathan never stopped identifying with the selfish decisions of his daddy. And I know a lot of Davids, I know a lot of Jonathans that love David. And they love him a whole lot. And you can imagine the things I could type that to. They love David a whole lot. But they're never able to separate themselves I've heard it said, I'm not being dismissive, I've heard it said that Jonathan was never, he was the king that never was because of his father's decisions. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this with every fiber in my being. I believe that Jonathan was the king that never was because Jonathan never stopped identifying with his father's failures. And you might split it down the middle. And there might be half of you here that want to argue the fact that he died as a loyal man. But how can you call it loyalty when you die loyal to somebody that God has marked off? How can you call it loyal when you die in the same pool of blood with a man that God repented that he ever chose? Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. You got to do more than love God, you got to do more than love the church, you got to do more than embrace David. Well, David and Jonathan had a relationship that was so you got to do it. You got to have more than a relationship with David at some point in your life. If you become who God has called you to be, you're going to have to change daddies and say, I love you, Saul, but I can no longer identify with the decisions that you have made. I hit a wall right there. I love my daddy. I understand. I have seen innately whatever it is that will drive a young lady, no matter how many times she's been hurt and no matter how big a scallywag he is, there's something in the genetic makeup, in the DNA of our humanity 
some point, you have to make up in your mind if you want a dis- different destiny. That you've got to choose a different daddy. And I'm glad for everyone in this building here tonight that has a God-fearing father that doesn't have to worry about what I'm preaching. And I'm glad you're looking at me kind of confused and saying there's a whole lot of people here with good daddies. Why are you using this? Because there's a whole lot of people in this building right now that love God, but they live, they live cursed under the label of who their father has been and who their father is right now. You watch it, brother. I, I can I can spot it from from a million miles away. I have I have literally seen daughters carry the shame of their father's sin until literally the shame of their father's sin turns into the condemnation of their own. You say I have to separate myself. Absolutely. And the New Testament way of doing it is a whole lot easier than what was asked of them in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, and I believe literally, but I believe more than literally, I believe the Scripture was trying to speak something figuratively to us. Listen to what Brother Marks is preaching right now. Listen to what I'm preaching. In the Old Testament, God commanded them if there was a problem, if there, what we're talking about, they were to go and to cut them up and to hew them into pieces. Would you nod your head right now? There, there, there's people looking up here at you. Nod your, I'm preaching truth right now. Well, that's my dad. I understand that's your dad. I'm not asking you to give up on him. I'm not asking you to stop loving him. I'm not asking you to stop praying for him. That's not what I'm doing. I'm asking you like blind Bartimaeus. In all due respect, Dad, I understand you're blind. Come on. And you've decided that you're going to be blind and you're going to beg the rest of your life. But I'm not going to do that. In all due respect, I sense an opportunity for revolution. I sense an opportunity. But there comes a point. I want to preach this into your spirit. Come on. You have to make up in your mind to kill. You got to quit going back to that vomit. You got to quit sympathizing with that. You got to quit identifying. That's pulling you down. You'll never be anything more than what I am. You'll never do anything more than we did. Come on. This is your family. Come on, Hank Williams. It's a family tradition. I'm telling somebody, you need to adopt some new family traditions. Prayer meetings. Church three nights a week. Talking in tongues. Dancing in the spirit. You need to create some new family traditions. Four men, Bishop, four men rose up. Oh, I feel this right now. <laughs> Woo! Four men rose up against the man of God. Cora, Dathan, Abiram, and on. That day he wasn't on, he was off. 
Ari, I just said a good joke and you wasn't even listening. I laugh at your corny jokes. You are the corny, corny beaster of Pentecost. And I laugh at all your corny jokes. And I just said a good one and you weren't even listening. Don't blame it on brave. You got to learn to multitask. These four men rose up against Moses. God reveals it to Moses, Numbers chapter 16. Verse 33, those four men were swallowed up. The ground opened up and swallowed them up. You get to Numbers chapter 26. Brother Mayo, 13 chapters later, and the Bible starts talking about the destruction, listen, of the sons of Dathan and Abiram. 13 chapters, that's all it took. There's a reason what Moses, what God spoke to Moses. There's evil in the hearts of those four men, and God told them, They are co-conspirators against my man. And don't go anywhere around. Don't even stand in their tent door. Uh Uh-oh. Don't even sympathize with them. Surely there wouldn't be somebody sitting in this camp meeting tonight that would be sympathizing with somebody that I'm going to tell you, the sympathizer will get themselves in much trouble as the perpetrator. Because you will become what you tolerate. And if you listen to their conversation, you need to understand, you little sympathizer. You listen to their little lip out. You better understand there's a serpent in what they're speaking. And it's a subtle one. And the disease that's on them is called deception. And it will get on you too. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't let them in your house. Well, let me tell you how that, let me just go ahead and 21st century 2021 vernacular. If it had been 2021, Moses, God would have told Moses, that includes your computer, that includes your phone, your house includes your social media. Oh, don't, don't get tight on me right now. It never goes well with the sympathizers. The sympathizers are the ones that eventually, they're they're the victims that get confused by it all. And they get pulled down with the initial perpetrators. And Moses said, don't even go around their tent doors. But all it took was 13 chapters. And the sons of Dothan and Abiram, come on, they could not not detach themselves from the ways of their fathers. They were bound and determined to stand next to their daddy. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Maybe the ground didn't swallow you up in chapter number 16. But you hear this preacher right now. It's only a matter of time. If you continue to stand next to wrong, if you continue to stand against people or stand with people that stand against the pulpit of this church. (laughs) 
Well, that's my that's my little that's my little lovey bug. That's my little love. I'm I'm, I'm scared to even name names because I feel like I'm so in the Holy Ghost. I might call names right now and it be the right names. It's my little lovey. It's my little lovey love. If you loved whoever that was that you say that you loved, you wouldn't stand with them when they're standing next to wrong. You wouldn't continue to identify with the labels that they have chosen. I'll tell you something right now. When they rise up and they create apostasy and they rise up against this church and against this man of God, I, for the life of me, don't understand why they're still in your feed. I don't understand why you're still commenting on their pictures. I don't understand why you're still sympathizing with them. They are wrong and you need to draw a line. If you could see it in the spirit, your ear, I know, I know it looks like your ear is a long ways from your heart. But if you could see it in the spirit, there is a direct connection between your ear and your eyes and your heart. And if you keep letting that come into your ear and into your eyes, it's going to get in your heart and you're going to die by their sin. You need to make up in your mind in this meeting. I'm not identifying with a preacher killing spirit. I'm not identifying with a reprobate spirit. I am not identifying with a charismatic spirit. I am not identifying. Daddies and destinies. When you get people that get preacher's flesh between their teeth, I don't care if you are his little pookie. You better put some distance there. And God's an equal opportunist kind of God. Some of those sons couldn't separate themselves with identifying with their father's calamities. Well, Brother Marks, it's such a struggle. You're not ready for what I'm fixing to tell you. Yeah, it's a struggle. But let me tell you, if you struggle through it, and you're able to get rid of that cloak, and you no longer are identifying as the son of or the daughter of. What happens is, is it's not 13 chapters later that we read about you, but it's seven generations later. Psalms 42, Psalms 44, Psalms 45, Psalms 46, 47, 48, 49, Psalms 84, Psalms 85, Psalms 87, Psalms 88. How amiable are thy tabernacles. That doesn't sound like preacher hate to me. How amiable are thy tabernacles. That doesn't sound like pastor hate to me. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. That doesn't sound like.
How you reckon, Brother Sergeant? How you reckon they sang those songs? Because do you understand that from their father's sin, seven generations could not enter the tabernacle. So when you read the sons of Korah, that wasn't Korah's sons. God, help me lay this out the way you gave me. That was Korah's sons, 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 sons. But Korah's sons set a direction. Abithar and Dothan, they set a direction and they were destroyed. And it took seven generations. But the decision to change daddies has the ability to change destinies. If someone will stick with the decision of, I am not going to identify with or live with that label. So what's life look for you like for your kids? What's life look like for your kids' kids? Because somewhere in your lineage, Hand me that right there. Hand me that. Somewhere, somebody said, I can struggle. It's real. There's all these voices. It's the voices of what dad has said. It's the voices of what they're saying. It's but it's those moments where somebody reaches up and says, I will no longer be identified with that. I got six pages of stuff. I'm not even near done. But something's starting to settle in here right now. I tell you what can happen. You that just can't turn loose because your daddy's a little pooky. Brother Marks, you just you want me to give up all hope of my family ever. No. Let me tell you what'll happen. God'll come to a Gideon and a wine press threshing wheat. I said, I want you to go get him to your daddy's grove. You go to your daddy's grove, you go get your daddy's heifer, and you tear down your daddy's altars to Baal and your daddy's grove, and you use your daddy's heifer to do it. It's not this way in every case, but so you can leave here with some hope, I can tell you that God can turn around daddy too. 
Because the Bible says when the men came and said, hey, the grove's been destroyed. The altar to Baal has been torn down. He's used your heifer to do it. And they start forcing. They start pushing the father of Gideon to do something about it. And the Bible says that Gideon's dad rose up in Gideon's defense. And said, you want me to kill him because he's tore down the altars of Baal? But it took a son that would stand up and make separation. And refuse to be identified as that. Let me tell you something. You change daddies, you change destinies. But if you change daddies, you might just change your daddy's destiny too. And I don't know who you are. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know who you are. But I'm talking to somebody in this building that your dad had a call on his life, and I don't know what happened. Some of you won't believe this. Your pastor knows it's the truth. You go read it. Go verify what I'm fixing to tell you. When we think of going to Canaan, we think of Abraham. Abraham didn't start for Canaan as an adult. Abraham started to Canaan as a child following his father, Terah. Terah headed for Canaan. And Abraham was just a young man. But the Bible says that Terah, as far as he could make it, was Haran, which Haran is a desert place. And as far as Terah could make it was Haran, and Haran dwelt at or Terah dwelt in Haran in that dry place, and that's where he died, never having made it there. And the Bible says that after Terah died, having settled in Haran, never made him to Canaan. The very next, the very next verse, God says to Abraham, get thee out. Get thee out of thy country. Watch. Get thee out of thy kin. Separate yourself from that settling mentality. I'm not here to throw rocks at your dad. I don't know what caused him to backslide. I don't know why he didn't become everything God intended for him to be. But I'm preaching to a son in this building today. I'm here tonight to tell you, pressure, yeah, I want you to feel the pressure. I believe that God wants to fulfill everything through you that he, did, that he had purpose to fulfill through your dad. But I'm telling you, you got to get up out of that dry place. And you got to make up in your mind, I am going to go beyond what my father ever went. My daddy is the one that started out bound for this Canaan land and I got my mind made up that I refuse to call Heron home I'm preaching about daddies and destinies Bartimaeus, go your way. Sorry, Jesus. That's my problem. Is I've gone my way too long. If you don't mind, after you get through with me here tonight, I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to go your way because I'm changing daddy. 
children sitting in this building tonight, I tell you, on the fear of God, God forbid your dad ever runs a wheel off and finds himself in, in the trees, but don't you sit around and worship who your daddy was or what your daddy did. Get thee out of that country. Get thee out of that camp. And go to that land which I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. <laughs> if you will make that mark of demarcation, I will bring a greatness to you. I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. preaching to somebody that has conversed with that spirit. You have sat there in your blind state and you have conversed with that generational spirit that's told you you can't become anything, you can't break the mold, you can't. <laughs> Welcome. To what God's doing in Spokane. If you weren't here, I made everybody privy in the building that Spokane got its name from the Spokane tribe. The word Spokane literally comes from, I don't remember the dialect, but it, literally it means children of the sun or children of the light. I believe that's the business that God's up to. I believe God's in the business. Giving people the opportunity of changing families. And I don't have to live under the label of that dysfunction. He's just the son of a carpenter. No, he's not. No, he's not. Connect with somebody. I don't know if that keyboard's working. If it is, somebody come turn it on. Something. Connect with somebody. It's more people tonight than what you think. In fact, I almost let it come out of my mouth right there. I almost just let it come out of my mouth. If, if five people would move to the front and identify with this tonight. And the Holy Ghost checked my mouth that I was that I was shortchanging what He wanted to do in this service. If I only gave an invitation to five people, I'm not going my way anymore. I don't mean any disrespect to you, Timaeus. Going my way has left me blind and begging.
going over there and loitering and hanging out and fellowshipping and that's just left me blind and begging. changing daddies I love you I'll come back by here and see you from time to time I feel like God's got more for my life than blind and begging (laughs) and I don't feel like it's presumption at all first lady but I feel like God's got something more for people in this building than blindness and begging beating and Abuse, verbal and sexual abuse. I've just got to believe God's got more for you than domestic violence and cops constantly at your house and divorce. You may have come from a divorced family, but you don't have to go the you don't have to go the way of divorce. thy way, Bartimaeus. The Bible says that Bartimaeus molted, shed, jettisoned the cloak of identifying him as a blind bum. And he followed Jesus in the way. Of course, I mean this Figuratively, metaphorically. But I believe, Brother Mayo, if I fulfill my mission tonight and you respond to my Holy Ghost assignment, you will go a different way down this hill. You will go holding a different hand down this hill. You will go back down this hill with your destiny and future in the control of another power and another force. probably don't know it. I don't want you feeling pressure, but there's a chorus that came out 10, 12 years ago that once something's touched by God, it can't remain the same. Nothing remains the same. We don't have a lot of space, and so I'm asking you to, if you feel compelled, I'm glad that you're one who always feels compelled, but I want to save the space 
for people specifically. Thank you, sis. Specifically. Can identify or this resonates with you. And you say, I don't want to go my way. I want to go a different way. I want to jettison this cloak, this label. <laughs> I want you to come from where you're at. They're coming. Come on, big daddy. Come on, baby. You're doing good. That's it. Come on. Come from where you're at right now. I don't want to live by this label. There's others. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't want to blow my cover. That's what we're trying to do is blow our cover. That's exactly what we're trying to do. I don't want to live under this cover anymore. Can we have an evangelistic service on Friday night at camp meeting? Would you help me pray with somebody? You that are left, that are fortunate, maybe you were raised in the church, maybe you can't even identify with this. Would you get a hold of somebody right now and pray with them? We're not going to leave here going our way. We will leave here going in the way of our Father, our Heavenly Father. Would you let God use you to minister to somebody? I don't want to live like this. Help me to break the mold. Open your mouth and cry out. Open your mouth and cry out, honey. Open your mouth and cry out, sir. Sir.